Welcome to the Get Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Liz McGavro, and I'm obsessed with all things writing, creativity, and telling your stories in your authentic voice, because I believe a good story can change the world. Ever since I was a little girl with my nose in a book, I dreamed of being an author. I wanted to see my books in bookstores everywhere. I wanted to talk about books. I wanted to soak up everything about the craft. My celebrity crushes were mostly authors and I could feel in my bones that the writer's life was my destiny. Fast forward to today. Along with my alter ego, Kate Conti, I'm an Agatha Award-nominated best-selling author with three mystery series, but it wasn't all smooth sailing along the way. I experienced many setbacks, crushing self-doubt, a lot of career detours, and I even lost my voice a few times when I let the world get in my way. Until I learned that writing was so much more than just a skill set you learned and developed over time. It's also an inside job that flourishes when you heal all the wounds that are stifling your creativity, which is no easy task. So if you're a writer of any kind, or if you've always wanted to write but aren't sure where to start, this is the place for you, my friend. We're gonna talk about all things writing process, craft, strategies to help you get writing and stay writing, the daunting world of agents, editors, and publishing, And because I'm using my authentic voice, I'm going to throw in a little woo-woo for you too. So let's get writing, shall we? Welcome to the Get Writing Podcast. Today's guest is somebody whose work has had an incredible impact on my own life, and I'm really happy to be able to share her with you. She's also a writer, so this conversation will be two-pronged, but before we get to the writing stuff, we're going to go deep on another topic, mothers. So next week is Mother's Day, as I'm sure you know, and while I'm sending all the love to you moms out there, I have to admit it's kind of a tough day for me. I don't have the relationship that I want to have with my mother, and it's something that's been pretty much a lifelong challenge. But over time, I had to learn to reset my expectations, set boundaries, and then basically do what I needed to do to take care of myself. So it hasn't been an easy journey. And I wish I'd known my guest long before I met her because it would have made all the difference. Karen Anderson not only writes about difficult mother-daughter relationships, but she's also a coach helping women navigate this really tricky space. And she does it in a graceful, intelligent, trauma-informed way designed to help adult daughters take their power back. Karen is a master certified life coach and author specializing in shame, healthy boundaries, and difficult mother-daughter relationships. Using a feminist trauma-conscious approach, she helps smart, creative women change the way that they experience their mother-daughter relationship and take care of themselves in that relationship. She's the author of Difficult Mothers, Adult Daughters, A Guide for Separation, Liberation, and Inspiration, and host of the Dear Adult Daughter podcast. I really love her work. It's just changed my life and I'm so glad she's here and I can't wait to share this conversation with all of you. So let's meet Karen. Hi, Karen. I'm so happy to have you on the podcast. I know it's, um, it's so interesting to me, like our evolution of knowing each other, right. From like a long time ago. (laughs) Yeah. I think we met like at a chamber of commerce event or something related to Probably <laughs> in a past writer's life. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, this is great because, you know, you are a fellow writer and, and I love that. And you're also, your, your life's work is just something that's so close to my, my own heart. So I can't wait to talk to you about it. Um, I've struggled with my relationship with my own mother pretty much my whole life. So I've been following you for years and your, your work has evolved so much and it's helped me so much and I'm just blown away. So, and I read your love notes every week and I love them. So I'm so excited (laughs) to chat with you. (laughs) So let's just jump in and talk about your books and you know, how you, how you do your coaching work, what you help women with. So yeah, I have written a couple of books that are specific to mother-daughter relationships. One, actually technically three books, but one of them I took off the market and redid. And so it became a, a different title, but it's basically the same book, but better and more expanded and whatever. So that book is called um, Difficult Mothers, Adult Daughters, A Guide for Separation, Liberation and Inspiration. And then I did a Difficult Mother-Daughter Relationship Journal, which um, sort of brings in moms if they want to do the work, which has been really interesting to me over the years because because I tend to speak to adult daughters Mm. Mothers, some mothers don't like me, (laughs) (laughs) but there are a number, but mothers are also adult daughters and, and some of them, um, want to do the work too. And they want to improve the relationship that they have with their own adult daughters. So those are the two books that, um, speak to that. And I have a book that will be coming out this summer. I'm finishing it up now and it is called, um, you are not your mother releasing generational trauma and shame. Ooh, I can't wait to read it. And it is uh, a way more personal book. I mean, my, my books tend to be personal because that's just kind of who I am. But this one um, includes a lot more personal experiences, especially with shame because shame has been my lifelong companion (laughs) and um, working through it. Well, first of all, understanding that I actually have it or, you know, experience it. Um, And then, you know, (laughs) going through a period of time where I was like, Oh my God, I have to get rid of this or else I'm going to be doomed. Um, And, you know, getting therapy, getting coached, you know, learning about it, taking classes, like all of that kind of thing, um, you know, has led me to now want to write a book about it. And it was kind of fascinating because I proposed this book to my publisher probably about two years ago and they were like, no way. (laughs) And in hindsight, I'm really glad that they did say no because I needed two more years. Mm. And then they came to me in the fall, last fall of 2022, and they're like, about that book about shame. <laughs> like, okay, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so there's the writing, which, um, you know, I think pretty much since I started blogging in 2009, that was when I really considered that I was writing for myself for the first time. Like everything up until that point was like freelance writing and writing articles and, you know, that kind of thing Um, and doing like business to business writing. Um, And when I started blogging, it was like something just opened up in me and it it won't stop. Mm. (laughs) I love that. 
Yeah. And so, you know, at a certain point, it was around 2012, 2013, I, um, I remember going to an event. It was down in Atlanta, Georgia, and it was with this coach named Christine Kane. And she had a thing called Up Level Your Business, I think it was called. She's has like other up level events. And I remember going thinking like, oh, you know, this will like help me market my business, my writing business. And and I, at the time, I had just started to sort of learn about coaching. I knew some people who are coaches. I remember going to that event saying, just don't make me become a coach. <laughs> And then, and here you are. I came home, <laughs> and I decided to become a coach. <laughs> awesome, yeah. And and the mother daughter thing, like having that become sort of my niche and like you know what I focus on as a coach, didn't happen right away. But um, it was through my own training, my training as a coach. It was during one of the it was my master coach certification that all my mother stuff was sort of coming up and the coaching that I received at that time was so powerful and so like, you know, mind blowing to me. And I decided to create a, my sort of my final project to pass this certification was about um, mother daughter relationships. And so then, you know, then it just sort of unfolded from there. Mm. So just for the benefit of people listening, can you just talk about like, are there specific, you know, obviously these are like the deep mother daughter, I'll call it trauma relationships, right? That, That you're working with. Um, it's not just kind of general mother daughter spat type of thing, right? You're, you're doing the really, well, sometimes it okay. is, but yeah, yeah. It's, I, you know, I've always, maybe because I'm looking at it through my own lens, it seems like it's just the really deep work of like, all right, we got to get in here and, <laughs> and figure this out. Yeah. Yeah. So when did you, so you talk about your own mother stuff coming up and that was when you knew how it was going to become your your mission to help women. So how have, how has that evolved as you've been, as you've been working through your own stuff and through, you know, with other people through their stuff? Well, you know, it's, it's interesting too, because the subject itself is usually the purview of therapy Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I am not a therapist and I am, I, I know a lot more about trauma now than I did when I first started out, but I don't pretend like, you know, if you're, if somebody is like, processing significant current trauma. Like that's not me. I'm not your person. Um, but I can help people who are experiencing current difficulties with their mom. Um, like how to look at it differently, how to understand yourself in the relationship, um, how you can think and feel differently so that you can show up in a way that you like and respect yourself in the relationship. Right. And that could include setting boundaries. Um, but again, like I really want to draw the line between like, I'm not a therapist and generally the people I work with also want something else in their life. Like a lot of people are, they're creative Um, They're writers, they're artists, they're entrepreneurs, and they know that their fear of their mother or their fear of what their mother thinks is getting in the way of putting themselves out there, right? Like the internalized voice, which probably is their mom, Mm -hmm. right? Which is telling them that they're, they can't, or they're unworthy or like whatever it is, you know, 
and and it, it could, it's like a lot of the thoughts that we have about ourselves are so universal, but it feels like we're alone with them. You know, yeah, definitely. And so it's not about, it's not about like, you know, muscling through and do feel the fear and do it anyway. Right. It's about like, how can you learn to be safe with yourself in those kinds of situations where you're putting yourself out there? Yeah. So give me an example of how you, you know, how you help people do that. Well, um, I guess the, the one sort of practice that I really love is, and I hate, I don't have a really sexy name for it, <laughs> but it's called self-concept work. And um, that is, you know, if you Google the term self-concept, you, you know, you'll find out that it basically is what you think and feel about yourself. It's who you think you are. And <clears throat> for many of us, especially the older we are, we were brought up with the idea that personality is fixed. Um, you are just who you are, right? Um, you can't change and grow when you're older, right? You're always going to be stuck with these deep ingrained thoughts, right? Like that's what we're taught. And <laughs> there's my cat. Um, Self-concept work is about intentionally shifting how you think about yourself, and the way that I do that is I ask people, my clients, to tell me stories about times in their lives when they felt a variety of different things. Like, for example, where they felt like really alive and on purpose and like in the zone and like, hell yeah, I like that kind of feeling. Like most people have a memory of being in that kind of energy. Another one might be where they feel like really moved to tears and tender, like, but in the best possible way, right? Like that kind of awe and, and like, like, you know, that feeling, right. That we like having, even though it feels a little tender and painful, sort of, if that makes sense. Um, and also a time when, what's the other one? There's another one. Um, a time when, you're feeling like protective and justice minded and, um, you know, wanting to correct wrongs in the world. Right. And there's, you, you know, usually when you can tap into that, it's usually for someone else or something else. Um, but that also, right. We, we all have memories, at least I do of times when we were in that kind of a situation. So it's then taking those memories that live within us, right? And nobody can take those away from us and turning them into a resource that you can, that's rich with maybe, um, like, as I said, a memory, a vision, uh, feelings, words, uh, sensory input, right? How it felt on your body, like, you know, what, where were you? What was happening? Who were you with? Like all of those kinds of things. And then you build a resource. And I call this self-concept work. And you can, some of my clients, and I, I've done this where I, I name my self-concept something. And then I, the, each of the different um, memories become the pillars hmm. that uphold the self-concept. And it's, it's a work in progress. And so like for me, I have mine on a piece of paper and, and each one feels a different way. And I know very much like how it feels in my body. Um, and, and they each feel very differently. And each of them also has supporting uh, words or phrases that 
all I have to do is look at it and I remember. And I'm like, and then I put myself, and then I'm in that moment that felt so good to me. And I can lean on that as a, as a, as I said, like a resource, and I can use it to then decide like, all right, um, I'm with my mom and she has just said something, right? How do I want to show up now? Do I want to be angry? Maybe I do. And maybe I'm going to lean on that. Or maybe I'm I want to pull back my energy. And what do I need to remember? And how can I put myself back in, in a moment where, because I, for me, that pillar is called dignity, right? And, and, and then lean on that so, to take care of myself in the situation. That's really cool. It, it, it almost, it reminds me a little bit of like, you're, I'm sure you're familiar with um, Abraham, the work of Abraham and getting into the vortex yeah. and, and the vibes that you're, that you're feeling inside is what you're kind of giving out to the, to the world. Yeah. It's, I mean, to me, it's pretty practical. Yeah. It's um, you know, and, and, and as I said, what I love about it is that it, it's something that exists within you already. Yeah. It's just tapping into it. Yeah. yeah. I love that. And it's funny because of all the coaching tools I have, you know, learned and used, this one I think is the most powerful. And it, it is sort of like a combination of things that I've learned from different places and just put together in this way. Mm. That's really neat. <laughs> so what's the most important lesson you've learned about dealing with a difficult mother? Um, wow. Wow just one. Um, well, you can give me a few. I'm sure I could use the tips too. <laughs> I think um, the most important thing that I've learned is that she doesn't have to be involved in order for you to have a different experience. Mm -hmm. She, and you know, I mean, again, like the, you know, common sort of model is like, oh, we're going to go to, you know, uh, not group therapy, but um, you know, joint therapy. Um, right. And like, we have to rehash the past and come to some sort of like agreement about what happened and then we'll forgive each other and everything will be great. And that doesn't usually happen. Mm. If you can get them to therapy in the first place, it doesn't happen. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the good news is that it doesn't have to happen yeah. in order to like, you know, thrive in your own life. Yeah. So Talk a little bit about the evolution of, of your own healing and some of the things that your coaching helped you see about your own life and your own relationship with your mom. <laughs> um, I have had like a series of like, you know, as they say, like turning points. Um, I actually, in 2001, it was right after 9-11, I did something called the Landmark Forum, which is kind of a controversial, it used to be called EST mm, back yeah, in like yeah. the 70s. Yep. Yeah. And that was sort of like a like moment. And it, it was also kind of scary because it was kind of, not scary, but like creepy in that it was like kind of culty, mm. right? Um, but at the same time, like there was so much that I took away from it that was like, oh, right. It was sort of like my first opportunity of like, I don't know, like, I don't even know what I would say about what I, how, what I thought, but so that was one. And then in 2005, I, um, <laughs> all of this, the blogging and all that stemmed out of 
like a very poor body image and like just believing that my worth was only in how much I weigh. And at that in 2005, I had gained a lot of weight and I wanted to lose it. And I went, I was looking for a hypnotherapist and somebody gave me a list of names. I called the first person on the list and she said, well, she goes, yeah, I do hypnotherapy, but I do this other thing called EFT, which is emotional freedom technique and tapping. I'm like, okay, fine. I'm like, just do it to me. (laughs) (laughs) And what was interesting is, yes, I lost weight, but more than anything, it was, it was an opening into self-acceptance, which is like such a buzzword these days, self-love, self-acceptance. And because if you know anything about tapping, the like they have this setup phrase where you're tapping on your hand and it says they say you know even though i have you know the problem i love and accept myself and i could not say that Mm -hmm. i just like burst into tears and i sobbed and sobbed it's making me tear up just thinking about Mm -hmm. it like i couldn't say that and so like getting to the point where i finally could say it and I mean, the woman who, she was an older woman. I don't know how old she was at the time. She's still alive, but it's like she's probably in her 80s now. But um, she was like, she saw what was going on in my relationship with my mom. And she really encouraged me in ways that nobody had ever encouraged me before. So it was like, So there was that. And then there was, as I said, starting blogging in 2009 was like another sort of turning point. And then the, you know, coaching. Um, I'm not sure if I'm answering the question. Yeah, no, I I just, I think it's, it's fascinating to, um, because it takes, you know, there's so many steps in the, in the journey. You know, I didn't, gosh, I think I've been trying to deal with my, like really deal with it. I mean, I, you know, I dealt with it kind of surface level before, you know, before I had moved to Connecticut and before I met you. And then I think it's really been the last 17 years that I've been really trying to figure it out (laughs) and like, you know, put the boundaries in place and, you know, recover my own sense of self-worth. And there's been so many different steps. Yeah. I think another piece of it that is always worth talking about is, and I think probably a lot of women, adult daughters will feel this way or notice this, that, Like at first it's like, oh, it's me and my mom and we're like, it's like the whole, like takes up all your space. Right. And, and then you realize, oh, I'm not alone. There's lots of other women. And, and then, you know, and for me, it was like, well, what the heck? Right. I mean, (laughs) I remember my mom, she struggled in her relationship with her mom and they did try the joint therapy thing. And my mom was, <laughs> I will never forget my mom telling me, like, the therapist thinks my mom, grandma, that's what she said to me, is a narcissist. <laughs> and, you know, and that became like this big thing. And at a certain point, if, after, you know, talking with so many different women, I was like, what the heck? Like, why? Like, why are all yeah. <laughs> these mothers narcissists, right? Like, what's going on? What was in the water back then, <laughs> right? Um, and then come to find out, right, that this is about being a woman or a marginalized person, you know, in a system, a culture that doesn't value us equally, yep. right? And that 
you know, the, the traumas, right, collective and generational, and in some cases, personal, um, you know, and if you look at like, what was happening in the world between like, say 1900 and 2000, but like, you know, in the times that our mothers were born, I'm just for the record, I'm 60, my mom's 82. Um, right. Her mom was born right around World War One. My mom was born right around World War Two. I was born like right around Vietnam, mm. you know, and not to mention the Holocaust and ongoing racism and white supremacy for those of us who are white. I think there is a special sort of something that happened to white women who, because of racism, were like, I need to be better than, or I am better than, maybe not consciously, but it was like woven into our lives, you know? And so all of that, like smoosh all that up and you've got a lot of dysfunction. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I remember my, I, my mother was, is very much someone who doesn't talk about you know, family things publicly. Right. So she would never admit that she and my grandmother had some issues, but you could always kind of tell there were some issues, but, but she yeah. just couldn't, I don't know. They never addressed any, it, it was really interesting to me to watch. I mean, I know they loved each other very much, but, um, it was just very interesting to watch because there was never any acknowledgement of any, it was only when my grandmother, you know, not too long before she passed away, she had dementia and, you know, she didn't, um, she took a lot of her, that anger, right? That anger that, that happens and it's, you know, supposedly uncontrolled and, you know, it's just, it's not connecting as to why, why you're angry, but she would take it out on my mother over anybody yeah. else, which I thought yeah. was fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in this new book that I'm writing, um, I, there is a section where I sort of look at, and I hate, I kind of hate doing it because it's like, sort of pathologizing us, but like, what, like, again, like why? Yeah. And, you know, if you look at like what you just said, they didn't talk about it. It wasn't okay to talk about it. Feelings, like what I said earlier about um, like how people were born and thought your personality is fixed. Right. Um, I think feelings and emotions were seen as irrelevant don't matter, right? We were taught to ignore, I mean, all of that. And so, you know. Very much so. It was not cool yeah. to show your feelings in my family. <laughs> no, no, but, and, and it's so funny because I hear it so often, like, you know, and, and I, I know it feels, it feels like you're the only one, but I, it's like, sometimes I say to people, I'm like, you know, there's so many things that make you unique and special, but that's not one of them. <laughs> grew up in a family like that is not one yeah. of them. <laughs> yeah. So anyway. <laughs> That's funny. So you talk a lot in your, um, in your work about nervous system regulation, which that whole thing, that's just fascinating to me. So talk to, talk to me about how like these early interactions with our mothers can really mess up our nervous systems, which we don't even understand. I mean, I didn't for a long time and how that kind of takes a toll on us throughout our lives. So I'm not an, I shouldn't say I'm not an expert. I'm not, but I'm not. I mean, I'm, I'm a lay person who's taken some classes, has received somatic practice, you know, what is it? Somatic experiencing therapy. Um, 
I've read, I, the subject fascinates me, but so take it with that, yeah. that I'm not the expert. I'm not a licensed person. Um, and my own understanding of the nervous system is relatively new, like in the past five years or so, five or six years. Um, so, and, and this also sort of speaks to that whole thing of, of what I was saying about like feelings, right? Because our nervous system is basically feelings, yeah. right? And we're taught to not pay attention to that. Um, and on top of that, certain feelings or certain nervous system responses are considered shameful. Like if you freeze, like a deer in the headlights, right? You're weak. Mm-hmm. You run away, you're weak, right? If you fight, there's something wrong with you. You need, you have an anger management issue, right? Um, those kinds of things. And then like people pleasing, which is on there as one of the adaptations from the human nervous system besides animals, right? Animals don't people please, people people please as a way to stay safe, right? But again, it's like a, it's pathologized and it's like, oh, you're a people pleaser. There's something wrong with you, you know? And so um, there's that aspect that I think screws us up. Um, And again, like, I'm also not an, uh, an expert on attachment, but a lot of, you know, you can read all about the different attachment styles and how that affects a baby's nervous system. But the way I like to look at it is from the moment we're born, right, our nervous systems are on, mm. <laughs> right, and they're paying attention to what's happening so that they, so that, because their only job is to keep us alive, right? So if, if um, mom, and again, like she doesn't have to be a terrible person, like it's not intentional, but like if, if she's neglecting something, right, your nervous system is going to do what it has to do in order to get her attention and keep you alive. And I'm, I'm I feel like I'm not going to explain it very well, but um, so all like from the time we're born, we are adapting to her. Yep. And there's actually somebody on, well, there's a lot of people on Instagram Mm -hmm. who um, talk about trauma, but there's one that I really, really like. So there's this woman that I follow on Instagram. Her name is Allie Wise and her Instagram handle is Awaken with Allie. And she had posted something once that just really like made it all so very clear to me. Um, She says, love as an intention when not embodied becomes fear. And this is what the child experiences. So we don't experience our mother's intentions. We experience her un- her unhealed trauma, her shame, her fear, right? We're experiencing that. Wow. And she then becomes an unsafe person. Now, again, like doesn't mean she's completely neglecting us and we're starving and unclothed. Yeah right? It's way more subtle than yeah. that. Yeah. No. But I, I loved that, like, oh, I'm not experiencing her love. I'm experiencing her fear and her own insecurities. Yeah. So to me, that speaks to the question that you answered. That's, that's why we're so screwed up. <laughs> yeah. And it's really powerful, right? Because I, you know, I, my, my family was never very, you know, touchy feely and I'm very like, as an adult, I've always been very huggy. So I don't think that rubbed off on me so much, but something about that, um, that, 
that, you know, weird, um, I don't know what to even call it, but just that it was like, there was contact was off limits, right? Like, like real physical contact that showed any kind of emotion was off limits. And my mother told me not too long ago, actually, um, that her, her, I forget if she said her mother or her father, or maybe even both who are lovely people. And again, none, none of this is about bashing anybody. Right. But, um, yeah. lovely people. And, you know, at the heart, I know everybody loves each other. Just, they have trouble showing it. But she said my, my grandparents, you know, didn't tell her they loved her like ever. She said she knew they did, but they never actually spoke the words. There's another aspect of this that I find fascinating. And I don't know how, widespread it is or like again like it was kind of like what, what was in the water but I have heard and I have um there's a are you familiar with red table talk no. with Jada Pinkett Smith oh, okay yes yes yeah yeah they had an episode on this once and I, I was like yes um where like again back in the 40s 30s like even 20s and 30s and 40s the parenting advice and books was being written by Nazis. Really? Not all of it, but like, and that the, but the mentality or the, the like ideas of the day were you will train your child to not need you. Right. And like, you know, they will sleep when you tell them to sleep and they will eat when you, right. And it was like this very regimented, like not human (laughs) thing. Right. Yeah. And so that's fascinating too, right? Like what are the, what were the influences of the day? You know? Yeah. And who, who were, what experts were they paying attention to and what were they saying? Yeah. It definitely helps to take some of the, you know, anybody who hasn't maybe done a lot of this work and who's just feeling really, you know, still maybe angry with their, with their mother or, you know, their daughter even, um, it just really helps you understand how much, how many things go into this, right? It's not just, Oh, my mother doesn't love me. It's so much more than that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, and if you're in the throes of it and you're like, you know, dealing, dealing with it, it doesn't help to be like, Oh, well, it's just, you know, it's patriarchy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like in the meantime, you're like, what do I do now? Right. For sure. So speaking of what do you do now? So, you know, as I mentioned, I've had a super complicated relationship with my own mother, um, which included a number of years of no contact. And I think something that really um, I've struggled with for a long time has been this idea of like all or nothing, like either you forgive or you don't. And I also used to think about forgiving as, you know, I have to go back for more, right? It's like sucking it up and just going back for more and just accepting that I'd be treated in a certain way. Um, And then the same with contact or no contact. So it took me a lot of years to you know, establish some boundaries where we can have some contact, but it's now on my terms. And I love how you talk about this and how you take away some of that guilt that we feel towards ourselves when we, because I know we tend to feel like we're giving in by having contact. So can you talk about that concept? Yeah. You know, it's interesting again, like the whole idea of estrangement or going no contact is getting a lot more attention these days. And there's all kinds of statistics about how many, you know, kids these days (laughs) are like, ungrateful and don't want to be with their parents. Um, but I think that depend, like sort of depending on your mom, let's just say, or family, in my case, it's just my mom. I mean, she is married to her third husband and that's a whole other story. But, um, cause I was also no contact with my mom for about four years, 
but um, it's um, part of it. It's kind of like what I was saying before about the self-concept work. It's like, if you don't know who you are separate from her, right? Like, because again, the psychological terms of like codependence and enmeshment and like all of that kind of stuff. Um, right. Like for me, it was like this time away from her was about me figuring out who I am apart from her. And then realizing like, okay, now I can, now that I know who I am a little bit more, I can come back and be with her. Yeah. But again, it was also a lot of trial and error and, you know, learning how to set boundaries and whatnot. And I know like setting boundaries, like that's this huge, like, what does that even mean and look like? And I think depending on who you are, it can look very different. But um, I, again, I don't want to make a blanket statement, but I think for some women, some adult daughters, it can be incredibly hard to just set boundaries um, if you haven't taken some time away mm. and I'm not saying, Oh yeah, you need to get rid of your mom and never see her again. Right. Like I don't, you know, and some mothers accuse me of that, but in the title of my book, separation, liberation, and inspiration, right? that separation doesn't mean never see or speak to her. It means figure out who you are apart from her. That's you need to have that separation in order to then be able to come back and right. And I see boundaries as being based on what you value, right? And and yes, it's about what you want to keep out of the relationship, but it's also about what you want to nurture and grow and cultivate in the relationship, if that's possible. Yeah. In some cases, it's not. But um, am I answering the question? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and so kind of, you know, taking that a step further. So if you do choose to go back or, or not, not even go back, if you haven't been completely away, but, you know, interacting again, how do you figure out how to interact? Cause you talk a lot about getting unshamed in that relationship and, you know, do no harm, but take no bull, which I love. Um, <laughs> but so how do you do that? Cause I remember just, even just recently, like I had to, I, I really, I had a conversation with my mother and I was really beating myself up about the way I handled it. And my, my therapist at the time said to me, um, it's fine. You, you just have to reset some boundaries and responding the way you did doesn't mean that you, cause you know, I, in my head, I was like, well, I just undid all these years of work and I, you know, let her trigger me and you know, all of these things, right. Cause we're so hard on ourselves. And she's like, no, you just got to reset the boundary and you just had to get off mm -hmm. the phone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, speaking about the nervous system, right? It feels dangerous on a nervous system level, right? That's like threat. Yeah, there's gonna be like this is a threat if you say no to your mother, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, and so it's it's I'm not even gonna say like feeling completely fine with saying no because you might not ever feel completely fine, but it's about tending to that part of you that sees it as a threat. Right. And then also, as I said, um, I, I think the self-concept work plays into it where um, coming up with little mantras or affirmations. And when I say those things, I don't mean like writing, I love you on the mirror because unless it makes you feel something, 
it's not going to work. Mm. Yeah. Um, so one of my, and it's not even mine, it's Brene Brown's. <laughs> it's a to three, uh, three word phrase. Clear is kind. Mm. Right. And yeah. it's, and, and, and I'm including myself in that, right. It's kind for her and it's kind for me to be clear. Right. So like, setting a boundary and using your values is about not about like, I'm going to be really nice to her and, and, but I'm not going to include myself in that. Like I have to include myself in whatever it is I'm extending to her. So if it's respect, dignity, kindness, like I have to include myself in that or else it's not that. Yeah. So uh, here's an example. When I had, I had been no contact with my mom for about four years and we finally decided we were going to get together. My mom lives in Maine. I'm in Connecticut. So it's like about 300 miles. So I knew I was going to have to spend the night. Um, and I knew I was not staying at her house and I had every other time that I'd ever gone to visit. And so we were on the phone and, um, you know, and I said, I'm going to be staying at a hotel. And she's like, oh, don't be silly, you know, stay here. I'm like, no, no, I'm going to stay at a hotel. And I'm like shaking inside. Right. Um, but in the end I said, it's my preference and my preferences matter. Right. And it, it's like, that's very clear, right? Like there's no room for, negotiation or like, I'm not doubting, I'm, I'm clear. Right. And so then my clarity helped her. She might not have liked it. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't matter. Right. What matters is the clarity and the decisiveness that doesn't leave room for back and forth, which can actually create safety. It creates safety. Because now we both know, right? And so we both feel safe. And, and you know, speaking of our nervous systems, right? Our mothers have nervous systems too, yeah. <laughs> right? That feel threats. And so, right, like I, I know that, for example, I tend to default into a freeze kind of scenario when I feel threat. And my mom tends to default into fight, and knowing that, not to like, not doing this to like appease her necessarily, but knowing that helps me, right? Knowing that helps me decide, okay, how do I want to be and be very, very clear. Yeah. But we're, and again, here's another thing, right? Women are not taught to be clear. Oh. Women are taught to manipulate and be passive aggressive, all of that stuff. Or even just to feel like you're, you're, voice or your words never mattered. So why would they matter now? And you, you, for me personally, like I could for so many years, I'm much better at it now, but I could feel myself reverting to that, like that nerve, literal, you know, nervous, um, trying to say something, but thinking, well, they're not going to listen to me anyway. So, or not knowing how to say it and not being able to just spit it out, you know, that, that whole thing. And we end up saying nothing. Yeah. Cause it's easier. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so that's like, that leads into sort of another sort of very unsexy aspect of all of this. But it is about practicing thoughts or practicing phrases that you want to know, like that you want to be able to say. Hmm. Right? Yeah. 
And then, you know, the more and like, can I do I believe this? Do I actually want to believe this? If I do want to believe this, what do I have to like, how do I, how can I help myself believe this? Yep. Yeah. Is that a little bit of the the concept that you talk about a lot, the remothering? Kind of. Yeah. I mean, I think it's all, you know, woven into it. Um, But I mean, I see remothering as, so like all the things that we were maybe criticized for or, you know, ashamed of is, you know, how do we not do that to ourselves? Because we internalize it, right? The shame, the criticism, the judgment, like all of that feels like it's coming from us and it was never ours to begin with. So, I mean, it's funny. I'm sitting, I have this right here. I don't know if people are going to be able to see this, but I have a, this is me. Like I was like, I don't know. I wasn't even two years old in this picture. And I, you know, and I've had other pictures, but it's like, would I say that to her? Mm. And that's part of remothering is like, no, of course not. Like, and I'm not a mom. I, I didn't really ever want to be a mother, but like, I know, right. Like how to nurture now myself. I didn't used to. Yeah. <laughs> I was so terrible to myself. Oh, me too. <laughs> I could give you a run for your money. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. But it doesn't always come naturally. Right. Yeah. So it's like, there's all these little, like, you know, that's why I have a picture of my yeah. one-year-old self, right? Yeah, I, I've heard people like will put their um, a picture of their their little selves as a screensaver on their cell phone or you know whatever to remind them that you know they should be thinking about that person when they're thinking about themselves. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, don't break her heart. Yeah. Right. Don't 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 break her heart. Yeah. <laughs> and can you pair it? Like, as I'm saying that, right, I'm feeling it in my body. I'm feeling that like, huh, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and that, that feeling itself is healing, mm. right? The, like giving myself the opportunity to feel that tenderness. Yeah. Like literally have sensations of tenderness in my body. Yeah. I love that. So I think too, that talking out loud about some of this stuff can be scary at first, right? Especially, you know, if you grew up in a house, like I had said, where people don't talk about anything or like a strict religious home or anything like that. And, you know, people have that idea of, you know, what happens in this house stays in this house. And I think part of that, and tell me if you agree, is kind of power keeping on the part of our mothers, right? Because if you don't acknowledge it, it's not real. Um, And I, you know, my mother and I had, had had a unfortunate conversation about something in our past recently. And, you know, she just tried to brush it off and said, that's, that's all water under the bridge, but it's, it never is right. We live with it every day. Um, but I love this is from one of your love notes. You say you can change your mind. You can betray the contracts you agreed to when you were younger and didn't know what you know. Now you don't have to be quiet about what happened. And I feel like this is such a great way to reclaim your power. Can you talk about that? Well, yeah, I mean, to, to, I think also just, I, I feel like this is the truth. I think part of the reason that things weren't talked about was because it wasn't safe. Yeah. If people knew this, we might be driven out of the tribe and we'd have to go live in a van down by the river or yeah. like whatever, live in the tundra or whatever, <laughs> right? With the 
saber tooth tiger. Um, and we laugh, but it's that lives within us, right? So I think that's partly part of why um, things weren't talked about. Um, but yes, breaking contracts and being able to speak the truth is a way to take back our power, right? To use a overused phrase. Um, speaking of that, <laughs> this is funny. Um, talk about a meta moment. But during the time that my mom and I were like trying to reestablish contact, she said to me, I don't ever want you <laughs> to write about this. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't ever want like any of our conversation. And I agreed. Mm. I agreed. And I don't remember who it was. It, it actually might have been a therapist. Because I was like, I, I, I don't want to agree to that. And, but I did. Well, just unagree. Hmm. I can do that? Like, yes, you can. <laughs> and so I did. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah, there's like... Sometimes I, I think of it like we're in this trance of like good girl, right? Like that you you can't, you know. And I'm not I'm not saying like be a rebel, right? Like it's not like that. It's but we are in this trance of not questioning anything. Yeah, definitely. Right. Yep. And um, and I have to give my mom credit. Because my mom was a rebel, like in a lot of ways, like she kind of like laid the path for me in a way. Um, but so it's, what was I going to say? Um, yes, we, we can break these contracts. We can speak the truth. And it's can we tend to our nervous systems while we're doing it? Yeah. If we if that's what we want to do. Yeah. But I don't talk to my mom about these things. I don't want to. So I guess that's a really good segue into a, another question I was going to ask you, which was, does your mother know the details of what you write and teach today? And how do you navigate that? <laughs> um, you, here's a funny story. I want to say that this was, I don't know, 2016, maybe 15, 16, somewhere in there. And... I know one of my books was out. It might've been 2017 even, whatever. Um, and I was on my phone and she had emailed me. She had, I think she had actually come for a, a visit. I'm not sure. Um, or no, we'd gone up there maybe, but she was emailing me about the weather because of there was going to be a storm or something. And I, on my phone, I wrote back and I hit send and I was like, Oh, <gasps> Because I usually use my computer and I, I have like a little signature line, mm. had my book and stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I wasn't sure. I was like, my, like I was, I don't know, like which app it was or whatever. I'm like, oh my God, I got to take it back. And I couldn't. <laughs> and then I realized like, there it went. <laughs> That's one way to tell it. <laughs> But the thing is, is I don't think she was clueless before that. Yeah. It's just not something we talked about. But here's what's funny. 
she sent me an email back and in the email, she was like, blah, 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 blah. Like all the like normal things. And then it was PS don't shame me in public or something like that. I don't want to see that signature line. And I was like, huh, I'm like, look at her setting a boundary. Mm. <laughs> right. And I, that is something that I do for her is if I send her an email, I take that off. Yep. Right. Yep. So how do I navigate it? Right. Like, um, there's like, I've seen so many other writers talk about this subject. Um, and I like the advice of, you know, what's yours to tell and what's not yours and what's mine, you know, is what I mostly tell. And sometimes with the disclaimer that there might be people in the world who didn't see it the same way I did. Yeah. Yep. You know, and I, I also try to, I've had many people tell me that my book does not come across like I'm throwing my mother under the bus, right? Like, you know, I think there's that advice of like, heal, right, yeah. it, yeah. and then talk about it. Yeah. But like, if you're still like, rah, you know, <laughs> it might not be. Probably a, not the best time, time to write a book. book. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so were you a journaler? Like, did you you know, were any of these concepts things you used to journal about? That's really interesting because, and sometimes I'm like, I'm not a real writer (laughs) (laughs) because I never journaled until like regularly until I had an audience. Mm. Um, I had a diary when I was in like 10th grade and that's it. And it wasn't until I started blogging that all of this I, so I, I am not a traditional journaler, no. Just had to ask because I, I, that's been something for me that's really saved me. Um, once I, you know, discovered The Artist's Way and started doing morning pages, that's just been such a, an outlet for me. Um, I don't think my journals are ever going to get turned into books or anything, but, you know, <laughs> some of that stuff. <laughs> some of that stuff no one wants to read. <laughs> well, I just had the thought. I'm like, does that make me a narcissist? Why? <laughs> That like the only time I journal is when I when I have an audience. Or, like, I didn't see that connection. Not everything sees the light of day, but like, yeah. <laughs> I don't see the connection. I don't think it does. <laughs> do you consider yourself more of a writer or a coach or equal? Like, how do you? Oh gosh, that has been the question of the century. Um, both, yeah. but. I've had the thought I am a writer since seventh grade. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And I've always identified that way. Yeah. Even though I wasn't like what I consider whatever, I don't even know what a traditional writer is. Yeah. I don't think there is such a thing. It's just someone who writes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So has the process of actually writing your books been therapeutic at all or had you already gotten to that place before you started writing like you said both both um this book about shame oh my god Mm. (laughs) it has been um wow I mean I felt shame this morning Mm. believe it or not and it was like kind of surprising to me not about the book but about something else but um it's um 
writing is therapeutic. And like, I have accepted that the way that I write is the way that I write. And I actually very, very recently had sort of this like little aha about the fact that I hadn't quite fallen in love with the way that I write. And when I first started writing the shame book, I was writing it, trying to write, it was, it was awful. Um, the way I thought I should write it Mm. (laughs) and based on something that my editor had said to me, I was like, I guess I can't do what I want. And because I had spent most of December doing what I want in regards to writing it. And, and then I was like, I guess I can't do that. And like the word count was like back down to like 5,000 words. Uh oh. <laughs> I know. I'm like, shit, what am I gonna do? And um it was very painful there for a while and I was like, fuck it, I'm I'm gonna do it this way and I'm gonna hold my breath and we'll see. Yeah. Um but really I'm saying literally like two weeks ago or a week ago, I decided I decided, I said, I get to love how I do it. I get to love how I write. Hmm. And that, and like, and if nobody likes it, okay, yeah. that's all right. Like, <laughs> but like me not loving it, like me not loving it doesn't serve me. And it certainly doesn't serve people who are going to read it. Yeah. Right. That's so interesting. You say that. Cause as a, you know, as a fiction writer, um, as a mystery writer, I have a lot of conversations with other writers about process and, you know, how plotting and pantsing and, you know, all of the things. Right. And I used to always think there was something wrong with me because I didn't, you know, I didn't plot everything. I didn't write a full draft before I started editing, you know, all of the things that just have served me through 18 books, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I guess I somewhat know what I'm doing. Right. But I would always oh, be comparing <laughs> myself to other people and saying, well, I just, I don't do it right. I'm, you know, I'm the whack job who's like, procrastinating and, you know, all of the things that I could say to be mean to myself. And, and, you know, over the last few books, I think I've just had to, or or not even had to, but really started to accept the fact that like my process might be weird, but it's mine and it's okay. And do you love it? I mean, sometimes I love it. Sometimes when I'm close to a deadline and I'm like, Oh, I wish I had plotted this better then I don't, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, it works. I can't do it any other way. When I try to do it other ways, like I end Mm -hmm. up getting, digging myself into more of a hole. So yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm really in awe of people who write fiction. I, people have like, Oh, you could do it. You know? And like, no, 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 it's not, not, that's just not going to be not in this life. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have a writing process for your books or is it now going to change now that you've realized that you just love how you write? You know, I remember, I don't remember when I thought this, but I think probably sometime in college, it was like when I first thought, maybe I'll write a book someday. Um, And I, when I, what I picture the process being is me sitting in front of a typewriter Mm -hmm. and scrolling in a piece of paper and typing page one and then nothing. (laughs) (laughs) And that's why, like, when I started blogging, and I don't know if I, I might have ADHD or something like that. But, um, like, the idea of, like, the writer ass in chair for hours mm-hmm. on end, that's just not me. And the way that I have written my books has been that I write something every day 
but it's not like, oh, official, I'm writing. It, you know, yeah. I mean, it could be something on Facebook or I, I don't know, right? Like, and so the way that I write books is that I write a bunch of stuff. And then I'm like, oh, that piece and this piece and this piece. And it's like, oh, here, here is, this could be a book. Oh, I love that. That's really interesting. And if that's not right, I don't want to be wrong. No, if that's wrong, I don't want to be right. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> that's cool. All right. So what's the one idea you would want to leave people with if they're struggling in their relationship with their mothers? You're not alone. <laughs> You're not alone. Um, you, you know, there is so much out there that you, you know, you can learn and, um, right. Like there, this isn't the end of the world. It doesn't mean you've done something wrong. It's not your fault. Um, right. Like all of the shit that we've been handed, right. About being a woman, like, again, like that's part of it, right. Like, we're supposed to be these perfect, we're supposed to be perfect daughters and perfect mothers. Right. And that's what, that's why we're in this mess. Yeah. So, you know, but from a practical perspective, know your nervous system and, you know, be tender to yourself, take care of yourself. Like, I don't mean bubble baths. I mean, well, you can do that too, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love that. Karen, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. I know that people are going to take a lot away from this conversation. Um, before we go, just tell us what's next for you and where people can find you. Well, what's next is this book, which um, the the first draft has been seen and it's back in my hands and I'm going to be sending it back out at the end of this month. Um, I've been told they want to turn it around quickly. So Great. maybe this summer. Um but I, I um, find me on my website, kclanderson.com. I have a podcast called Dear Adult Daughter and, you know, my love notes that you can sign up for. And there's a boundaries guide that you'll get if you sign up for that list. Um, and, and then, you know, I do coaching if, if that's something you want help with. Awesome. If you want, like, one-on-one -on -one guidance. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for being here and for doing the work that you do because it's really, really powerful. Well, thank you um, for remembering me. Of course, how could I forget you? I never forget other writers. <laughs> no, but thank you. It's um, it was it was um, I was really like surprised and delighted when you reached out. No, my pleasure. It's happy to have you here. I know people are going to love this conversation. So, thank you. Thanks also for this the great questions. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. That was quite a conversation, wasn't it? I hope you all got something out of it, regardless of the type of relationship you have with your mom or your own daughter. It's really, you know, her, her work is amazing. And I would encourage you that if this is an area in which you struggle at all, to go check out her books, sign up for her love notes and reach out to her if you need support. She really will help you. So I'd love to hear if any of this resonated with you, what you took away, anything that you're going to work on in your own life. So send me an email or let me know over on my Instagram page. You'll find that along with a link to Karen's website and all of her socials in the show notes. And I would love it if you could subscribe to the podcast if you liked it and leave a review. It would really mean the world to me. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs>